to the DC Tweet Team Podcast, hosted by Andy Burroughs. You know what I mean? Maurice Hawkins. Some people call me Maurice. And Shelly Jordan. Here's the deal, I'm the best there is. And here's your host, Andy Burroughs. Welcome everybody to the DC Tweet Team Podcast. I am your host, Andy Burrows, as always, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts. We have Maurice Hawkins. Maurice, how are you, sir? Hey, man. Everything's lovely. We're going to get this thing turned around against Kansas City. Thanks yes, we are, sir. Yes, we are. And for a short time, we have Carl Ronick from the Burgundy Zone stepping into Shelly's shoes while she gets... She's she's unwell at the minute, Shelly. We wish you all the love and all the speedy recovery, but we have... What a replacement. It's like someone from WWE turning up on WCW TV back in the day from the Burgundy Zone to the DC Tweet Team. Carl, what's happening, brother? Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I'll try to do my best to replace Shelly. I, I can't promise anything, but I'll do my best, Shelly. I promise. Now, thank you so much for stepping in, my friend. Pleasure to have you. And what a guest we have from the Team 980, Mr. Travis Thomas. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. That was a great analogy, by the way. WCW, WWE. I guess I'm from, like, YouTube Backyard Fights or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's e- where I'm from. ECW turns up on uh, AEW kind of thing. But, Travis, it's, it's awesome to have you with us, man. I listen to your show pretty much every day over here in the UK. It's, it's brilliant just to sit Thank and spend 15, 20 minutes with you. So, Travis, we're going to start with you, bro. You're, you're, you're our guest today. The Washington football team, we're in again. Every I know you spoke about it on your show today. You talked about Ron Rivera, the the team's in turmoil. There's always something going on with this team. But let's let's talk about this game on Sunday, Travis. We now face the Kansas City Chiefs this Sunday. Everyone automatically, nope, we're going to lose. We're done. We can we can't possibly win this game. We can't go into a game thinking like that, can we, Travis? I mean, what do the Washington Football Team have to do to somehow somehow win this game on Sunday? Well, we can go into the game feeling that way. I think most of us are going into the game feeling that way. But the fact of the matter is, this is the NFL. And we used to say any given Sunday, anyone can win. But as we all know, NFL football is on pretty much every day of the week now. So in this case, it is on any given Sunday. Listen, you watch the Chiefs. This is not the Super Bowl champion Chiefs. This is not even the Super Bowl losing Chiefs, right? Uh, we haven't seen this from them, not consistently. They can have a bad week here or there. They are human. But even when they look human in the past, since the Patrick Mahomes era, we've thought, oh, well, that's strange. I guess they are human. And then the next week, they're right back to being Avengers, right? But this season, they've looked consistently off. Something's been off. Uh, You could say it's the offensive line. You could say injuries. You could say the defense is putrid. Don't we know about that with our team, right? But for me, as I look at this game and I start breaking it down, if you pay attention to the numbers, it's like Tyreek Hill goes off every other week, okay? So it's not a guarantee. I've had people call my show this week and say Tyreek Hill is going to break records against this Washington football team defense. Yeah, maybe you would think that going into it, but I wouldn't be shocked if we leave this game and Tyreek Hill has three catches for 40 yards or something. I mean, this is how the Chiefs have been. So to me, and I'm not even talking about what the Washington football team can do. I'm talking about which Chiefs team shows up to FedEx. That's a big start on how the Washington football team can win this game. Which freaking Chiefs team shows up? 
Mm, yeah, most definitely. Uh, Kyle, um, talking about this Sunday, everyone, we mentioned last week, or we, we had our pre-game, our post-game show on Sunday. Everyone's saying that we can't see Landon Collins on this field against the Chiefs because then they really could put up some big numbers. Can you possibly see a change in that position come Sunday? I, I'm not really sure, to be perfectly honest with you, because I don't know if it would be a detriment to the overall game plan to be able to exchange guys, to be able to plug somebody in right away, and to be able to come up and clog holes. That being said, Landon hasn't really done that thus far. He has helped in the running game, but I know that he said in his presser that later on in the game, they did they faced the same exact situation of the rotating of the safeties pre-snap, and they were able to get back in time to stop it. And look, that's great, and I'm glad that you did make that adjustment, but... Like, that's it, dude. Like, it cannot happen anymore because I'll give you an excuse one time that it was a bad situation, but if it continues to happen over and over again week to week, that is an issue in my mind. And Bobby McCain fixed that from Atlanta, so I was intrigued with that. He still has to get better with, with tackling, but I don't know what they would be doing without Landon. Like, who would they be replacing him with? Because Cam Curl has a responsibility on this defense already. They already have a game plan for him. So what would you be doing at that point? Who are you bringing in? I would love to see Jeremy Reeves come in and be able to come in and revitalize what he did last season. But maybe they're banking on just keeping him there in case they need him like they did last season and letting him ride out the end of the year. Maybe they just want to say they're throwing Landon out there just to say, let's see what we got. This is big money. Let's see what we got. The question is, how long are they going to stay with him? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, Maurice, could this be the game where the Washington football, we say every week, well, we say it every season, time for the Washington football team to shock the world. My God, this would really shock the world, Maurice, if we won on Sunday, right? Oh, yeah, it would definitely shock the world. And I think it would reset the season, right? Because right now we're two and three. Mm. You know, here's the thing. If we, if we find a way to beat Kansas City, and we go three and three. That's like the best um, start after six games this team has had in years. So I think all is not lost. I think what we're seeing with the Washington football team is a team that's figuring it out week after week after week. And then, like you said at the last podcast, that it you know the, the divisional games that we're going to have that that gauntlet of five divisional games at the end of the season could be a blessing in disguise. Because let's look at the NFC East. Like, right now, the Cowboys are playing gangbusters, right? I mean, they are definitely the class of the division. There's no doubt about that. But after that, you know, Philadelphia and the Giants and ourselves, we're just kind of all in that fair in the middle. Hey, guys, breaking news. We're in second place in the division, right? So we're not the worst team in the NFL. We're in the middle of the pack. Yes, we've had some tough losses and stuff like that. But again, you know, it's about, you know, we still have the majority of our games played. We haven't even reached a halfway point in the NFL season yet. So we don't need to be abandoned and shipped right now. And, every, and a lot of teams are going to have highs and lows this season. You know, and like, look, we have the same record as the Chiefs. Both teams are coming in two and three. So mm -hmm. we're not playing a five and oh team or four and one team. We're playing a two and three team. And that's the mindset we need to have that this is a very winnable game. And I just think fans need to like take a chill pill. You know, Coach Rivera's not losing his mind. But, you know, and Ron, we trust. That's what we at the beginning of the season let's just keep that mindset and see what happens yeah most definitely I, i'm gonna come back to that little bit and run you trust because i know travis had some uh, interesting debate on his show today i mean 
if you're ever going to do anything as a, as a Washington football team, it would be a great game to do it on Sunday. And it, it would shut a lot of people up. And some of us fans, you know, we're all crazy on game day. We all get involved in the heat of the moment stuff. Travis, you hear the callers calling your show up from Monday to Friday. So it, it's all very, I agree with Maurice there. Maybe we kind of all do need to take a chill pill, myself included. That's why I try not to tweet out during the first half because I just go batshit crazy. <laughs> and, is, you know, I try and sit down and watch the game till halftime. But Travis... On your show today, you were taking callers about the in Ron Rivera we trust, like Maurice Hawkins just uh, pointed out there. Um, don't know why I called your full name, then Maurice. Who knows? Um, Travis, what was the uh, what was the feedback you got from the uh, the callers in today? For those that didn't hear the shows, and for those that are here in the UK that maybe didn't catch the show, what was the outcome when you said to them, "Hey, is Ron Rivera in the hot seat? Do you is this the guy we want in the Washington job?" I know everyone's sitting on this Zoom call right now, and this podcast does. I know it, we we can't keep changing coaches, in my opinion. We can't get down uh, halfway down a two year a five year plan. We can't get two years into it. And go right. That's him out the door because then we're back to square one again. So yeah, we maybe do have to pump the brakes. What was the feedback you got today? Yeah, no question. I mean, I mean, listen. I started the show with the question of we're year two into a five-year plan with Ron Rivera. Uh, where are you? I'm just taking your pulse. Where are you year two with Ron? For the record, I think we still need to give him more time. But I certainly see both sides of the coin. I mean, we're seeing some regressions on the field. The defense is not as good as last year, at least up until this point. Uh, Taylor Heineke, although some of us like him, uh, some of us dislike him, a very few love him. I think we can all agree from what we've seen so far, he does not feel like the quarterback of the future. And even if he is, for the sake of the argument, are you seeing a maturation of a young quarterback? Are you seeing the development of a young quarterback? I don't even see an offense that plays to his strengths. I don't see an offense that goes hurry up. I don't see an offense that has rolling pockets, that has RPOs, that has bootlegs. So that could be a knock on Ron. If you look at the draft class, year one to year two. Now, of course, it's too early to put a definitive statement on the draft class, maybe for either year, quite frankly. But from what we've seen so far, year two is not as good as year one. So there's a lot of things that I do see on the side of, hey, let's it's not working. This isn't the guy. Let's run him out of town. Although I don't agree with it, I do certainly understand that perspective. Eventually, I stopped keeping score because everyone wanted the guy out of town. Uh, all of us, as you mentioned on this podcast, still want to give him more time and we do need to see an improvement. But I want to go back to something Maurice said, because I think it was so well said and it's exactly how I feel. If you beat the Chiefs, all of a sudden the entire narrative changes, at least for a week around here. And what's interesting is I picked the Washington football team to beat the Saints in that game last week. I still thought they should have won the game. There was It was right there for the taking. Don't even get me started on the Hail Mary before the first <laughs> half. Andy, I know you said you stay off Twitter. It's probably good because that was ridiculous. But if they win that game, we're probably not even having a lot of these conversations. Mm -hmm. It changes every week with this team. It has for years. It's going to continue. I do not believe that they beat the Chiefs. But I think it could be a competitive enough game where we walk away feeling better about the team than we do currently. So I'm not ready to run Ron Rivera out of town just yet. Let's not forget what he inherited when he got here. By the way, the guy's in the fight of his life health-wise. He's taken all the arrows and the darts 
for what happened before he even got here, okay, behind the scenes. Ownership didn't stand up and take that. He did. And that wasn't even fair to him, and he handled it. So to me, I'm the guy has equity with me. I'm willing to wait, but we definitely need to see some improvement. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Travis, I know Maurice and Carl have a, have a question for you. So, uh, Maurice? No, I just think that what adjustments do you think the defense needs to make so they're playing competent? I mean, because it looks to me when I'm watching the games that all the teams are going like three-step, five-step drop, getting the ball out, not allowing – uh, our, you know, our vicious defensive ends to get the pressure on the quarterback. So what do you think we need to do differently to get, get some pressure on the opposing team quarterbacks and maybe get the confidence level of this defense up? I heard a buzzword there. I heard a keyword. I heard the word adjustments. Mm. So there's my answer. <laughs> I, I mean, can we adjust? Is there any adjustments? Can we make the damn adjustments? I am not seeing any adjustments at all. I'll give you an example, Maurice. So I had Chris Baker in studio this week. And, you know, Chris played at a high level for us, and he was a fan favorite and the whole deal. I said, look, I know from hanging around enough of you guys over the years, you watch games differently than the fans. Obviously, you played it. You know what to look for, blah, blah, blah. Are you seeing any adjustments? Because as a fan and as a media member, I swear, I'm not seeing any, zero, donut, bupkis. And are you seeing any adjustments? And it's just the, you know, only the trained eye can see. He looked me in my eye and said, zero, no adjustments. They play a base, that's it. They change the personnel every so often, but for the most part, it is what it is. And he told me it's because Jack Del Rio's old school, Ron Rivera's old school, this worked last season. So this is kind of one of those, you know, this is what we do. That's why you hear Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio. They sound like broken records every week saying maturity. Guys have to do their job. We have to be disciplined because they are not acquiescing to the personnel. They are telling the personnel, you need to play in this system and do what we're telling you and we'll be successful. Except that I think both right now are coming up short. The system isn't working, and maybe the personnel is not right for that system. Either way, Maurice, I would love to see an adjustment of any kind. Can we evolve, please? Can we get past super tech mobile defense and start playing some 2021 <laughs> defense, for God's sakes? Yeah, yeah, Travis, in the preseason, I was arguing with people on live feeds and I was getting brushed off by local media members when I would ask them and say, is it out of the realm of possibility that the Washington could keep four tight ends? And that fourth tight end was Ricky Seals-Jones to come to prove, and he's done very well in the meantime while Logan Thomas has been out. Do you expect Ricky Seals-Jones to continue this trend? This is why I tell you all the time, Kyle, you're still not listening to me. You just need to call <laughs> my show because I'm not going to brush you off. I'm not going to argue with you. Even if we disagree, we're grown-ups. I'm going to say, well, Kyle, I disagree, but I get your point. Listen, Ricky Seals-Jones is definitely going to stay on this team. He's going to continue to have success. I would like to see him in a bigger role, quite frankly. Mm. I mean, that touchdown catch he had against the Giants, I'm still – I still watch replays. I, my mind is still blown. That was athleticism. That was body control. That was hands. That was everything you asked for in a tight end. He's got great size. He's a veteran. He's a grown-up. I don't understand why he isn't getting more targets, quite frankly. 
Um, I, I look to me, this kind of goes back to what I was saying about uh, Ron's draft class in year two compared to, to uh, year one. How about Bates? John Bates is another one. I mean, he was drafted. Can, can he get some more time? I, I know on draft night, everyone told me, oh, he's just a blocking tight end. Well, why the hell did you take him that high? I mean, can we see for ourselves? Because I watch college football. I watch tape on him. He has soft hands. If nothing else, can he not be a red zone target? I just need to see a little more innovation on both sides. This is what I was talking about with Maurice. While we're saying on one hand, hey, defensively, we need to see adjustments. We need these guys to evolve from this old school mentality. I'm not going to let Scott Turner off the hook. Now, I, this isn't the worst offense I've ever seen, but at the same time, everything I just illustrated about Heineke, I think we can be more creative with him. And we don't have enough time on this podcast for me to go into why are we not committing to the run with not one, not two, three capable running backs. I love Patterson. I love McKissick. I love Gibson. I want to see all of them more. I came in this week and I said it was nice to see Antonio Gibson get 20 carries against the Saints, but that was a tight game. This isn't the Bills blowout where we were praying Heineke. We were praying, wishing on a prayer and drinking Bud Lights that Heineke could throw us back in the game. And the Bud Lights kicked in because, boy, didn't he look uh, human against them, right? Yeah. In this game against the Saints, it was close. We own the time of possession. How come McKissick and Patterson yeah. aren't getting carries? They had six carries combined. And by the way, all three of them can catch the ball. What are we doing? Where is the creativity on the offensive side? I love Terry McLaurin. I love the targets he's getting. But there's other people we can involve. Mm. I see them three as, as well. Like looking at the Kansas City game, I could three. I see them three as uh, our main threat, if you like. Because everyone, we know what Terry can do. You can maybe use him as a, as a decoy. But yeah, news McKissick, news Patterson, Gibson. Run the ball against Kansas City. It, it gives you a better chance. Because I, I think Heineke, he could try and make things happen again, which is great. And, you know, he's still learning the game. Let's, let's not forget, this is his first full season in the NFL. And that's going to be hard for anyone. But I think come this Sunday, if you just keep, it sounds cliche. Pound the rock. And I think if you keep doing that and put yourselves in these positions to get into the end zone, then use your tight ends, get the big guys involved. That that would be my game plan going into the Kansas City game. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and don't stop running the ball. Run it down their throats. It sounds easier than, than, than it is to do, but that would be my game plan again. And it's going to be shit on Terry. I don't know if Curtis Samuel's playing. I'm not sure what he's doing with the injury. But for me, and like you say, them guys can catch the ball. So you could have some of them in the slot. You could you could, you could mix it up and Kansas City would be like, oh, hang on a minute. I didn't see this coming. Like you say, make, just evolve with the time. Scott Turner, just this evolve. Let's throw something out there against Kansas City that no one thinks the Washington football team would do because they're probably just going to think, you know, uh, they're going to target their Terry McLaurin all the time. They get, they might have the odd run here and there. They'll have the check down. It, it's, it's easy to game plan against the Washington football team. At my, in my opinion, right now, I think I could probably draw up a game plan. I'm no X's and O's guy. I listen to people like Carl for that. You know what I mean? I'm not an X's and O's, but I think I could sit here right now, get my pad and pen and go, do you know what? I think I could pre pretty much figure out how Washington are going to play. Let's mix it up, Travis. Let, like you said, let, let's, let's, let's throw a curveball out this Sunday. And people might sit back and go, whoa, hang on. I didn't expect this from the Washington football team, but hey, I'm just a guy on the couch. Uh, Travis, before we let you go, my friend, it's gone crazy. 
this uh, this week. John Gruden, Bruce Allen. <laughs> somehow, somehow, the Washington football team were looking terrible in this. I, Twitter, oh my God, it took me hours to scroll through this morning. Obviously, I'm five hours ahead of you, so I wake up, I scroll through what's been happening in the night. Travis, what do you make of the whole John Gruden, Bruce Allen, Dan Steiner now? Emails. I'm, I'm scared to send an email. I only host a podcast. I don't know who to email. I'm not sure, Travis. I'm, I'm terrified. What, what, what do you make of what's going on? Listen, I'm not surprised at all. Uh, I have a bigger picture view on this. You know, everyone's talking about, well, what about Gruden saying this and saying that? Well, what about Bruce Allen? What were the replies? And what, were, what was going on in the group and all this? Listen, I'm looking at this from a bird's eye view. I'm so close to this stuff sometimes. I find that I'm a better host when I zoom out and look at a big picture. And it's pretty obvious to me that the ownership groups in the NFL, the ownership group is being protected by the league. I don't know who John Gruden pissed off and I don't care, <laughs> but I know this. I can promise you that these owners are no angels. In fact, Let's just think about what happened to old Colin Kaepernick, right? And do you remember during all that, Kaepernick was asking, hey, league, why don't we expose some emails? Why don't we launch an investigation with the owners and see what they're saying about me and why I'm being blackballed from this league? What did the NFL do? <laughs> oh, that's not happening, dude. You're delusional. Except that now we see this. And it does make you wonder, I, I don't care about what Gruden and Bruce Allen are talking about. I want to know what these owners are talking about. Let's get that going. And it's not going to happen. You know why? Because of money, like anything else in life. The NFL is going to protect the ownership group. People say, well, Dan Snyder's not on email. Oh, well, how convenient. And by the way, I'm calling BS on that. So to me, it's a bigger picture of and it's a continued hypocrisy, maybe in all of sports, not just in NFL, but you always protect the money. And that is so obvious to me that that's, what, that's what's happening. And John Gruden is a scapegoat. I'm certainly not defending what the hell he said, especially as a black man, but at the same time, okay, he's a fall guy, he's out of here, he's fired, everyone's down on him, but no one's asking the bigger question. What about the owners, all of them? Mm, yeah I, I mean it's uh we me and carl were talking before we started recording this could just be the tip of the iceberg we, who knows what's going to come out in the, in the in the coming weeks and months with with the owners you know i said to i, I my personal opinion is roger goodell this time next season won't be the uh, commissioner of the nfl just me i think this time next year he could be gone to either save his own ass or he knows what's coming i, I can just see bad things coming this this is this hasn't been this hasn't come out for nothing there's always a reason behind why things are done, especially in the National Football League, especially in Washington. My God. So I think, Travis, it sounds terrible to say, but I think this is just a start. Well, I, I got to tell you, we disagree on that because I actually now we're going to find out next season. You may be right, but I think this guy has the utmost job security. You know why? Because he's protecting the owners. He's protecting the money. Maybe they're, not, maybe. they're making more money with Roger Goodell. That's why he gets that high salary. And by the way, I see ratings. The ratings are up again in the NFL. Mm. So to me, money's flowing in. Okay. This guy doesn't pressure us in terms of the ownership group talking. Roger Goodell's he's, he's protecting us. Let's keep his 
pockets fat. He can blame whoever he wants or take the blame himself. What do we care? We're making money hand over fist. I think he has the ultimate job security, to be honest with you. I, I, I could see Goodell being there as long as he wants. As long as he's protecting the, these owners, he'll grow even older than he already is in that gig. Maybe he's the ultimate job for the boys. Maybe he's the he, he could be the head of it. Hey, you could be right, Travis. Travis, just re- finally, I know we, we spoke about this just before we started recording. A lot of people mentioned, and I know they call up your show about this, FedEx Field right now is getting... There's not many Washington fans there, let's not be honest. And that's that could be due to many things. The product on the field isn't great. The prices are ridiculous to go to FedEx field. I mean, what do you think? It's easy to say win, but for, I've spoke, I've seen people, I saw Keith that hosts a Bleedly Burgley podcast. Uh, he mentioned the prices. Carl goes to games, Maurice goes to games. The prices at FedEx are absolutely ridiculous. I know, you know, I, I can spend nearly as much on a ticket as I can as a flight to come over from the UK. I mean, it costs, it costs $80 to park there. Uh, my idea would be at, right now with the state of the franchise as it is. And like you say, we were here this time last year and we turned it around. Every ticket in FedEx Field on Sunday, $25. Every home game until the end of the season, $25. Give Washington fans a chance to go, do you know what? You kind of put it back on the fans then. It's like $25. I can go to that. Charge $20 for parking. I mean, what would you do? It's very easy to say, oh, just win. Just win games of football. I mean, that's yeah, we all know that. We all want this bloody Washington football team to win every fucking game they play. But how would you? what would you do with what's going on in FedEx Field? Because I was watching on the NFL um, Game Pass on Sunday. That stadium looked deserted. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, listen, I, I just think uh, it's probably a combo of everything to get fans back and anything. I mean, this goes back to our entire conversation about evolving and mm-hmm. trying to make adjustments on the fly. I mean, look at everyday life for all of us. Honest to God, you're across the pond and you're still dealing with the same things that we do every day all over the world. This virus has changed the world. We're all adjusting on the fly. What do you hear all the time? The new normal. We have to be more this. We have to be more that. More that. We're all adjusting every single day and every second of our lives. How about technology? Our phones, emails, everything, updating, new system, new this. So to me, it's just laughable that they're not willing to do some of the things you illustrated. Why wouldn't you lower ticket prices? Why wouldn't you make uh, the parking uh, parking situation more affordable. Why wouldn't you? I mean, at this point, hell, they should pay us to go to the damn game. <laughs> I just don't understand if you're not getting the result you want. Why aren't you trying something else? Why is it the same old, same old? I think where FedEx Field is, uh, is a hassle for a lot of people to get to. If you live in the area where the stadium is, the last place you want to be is there. So you're not going to go. And then if you live out of the area of the stadium, it's a pain in the ass to get to the stadium. I think that's a part. I think location's a part of it. I think they need to come back to the district desperately. I'll give you an example. I see it because I live here. I see Caps games, Wizards games, DC United. There's fans all over the place. The Washington Nationals. There's fans all over the place on game days. You know why? They can hop on a metro and get right there, get as drunk as they want, spend all their money on hot dogs, nachos, chicken fingers, beer, and then take the damn metro back home. It's so easy. It's so accessible. I think it's a lot of things. I don't think it's just one thing. Now, I will say winning is a part of it, but you're right. It's lazy to just say, oh, all they got to do is win. I don't believe that. I think it has to be sustained 
winning. Mm. That doesn't happen overnight. If you have a you have if you have a packed stadium, that will help you win. You'll have that. The Seahawks do it. The twelfth man. You fill that place with Washington football team fans, and I mean pack it to the rafters. That surely got to help you win games, right? It is, but to be fair. You can't use that example for every place. Seattle's a different place in Washington, D.C. Mm. People say, oh, there's distractions. It's not distractions. There's other attractions in our city. You have all those teams I just mentioned. In Seattle, they just got the Kraken cracking. That just happened literally one night ago. Okay, other than that, I think you have an MLS team. You have the Mariners. That's it. You don't even have the NBA there anymore. So I think it's a different you know, you have to be careful with cities because every city is different. And by the way, D.C. has always been a football town, but this team has just kicked us all in the nads for two decades. And I think people are sick of it. Listen, I'll give you an example, right? So when I was growing up, I grew up in a Washington football team, diehard household, okay? I grew up hearing stories of RFK rocking and we want Dallas chance. And I, I'm, I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to see the team did win a Super Bowl when I was a kid. I saw that. I saw the joy in my parents' eyes. I'm jealous. But my producer, Sorry. who's 25 years old, he doesn't know that. He knows dysfunction. His his highlight of his fandom of this team is a RG3 rookie year or a, a couple visits to the playoffs with Kirk Cousins that led in duds. <laughs> you just described I mean, mine and Carl's fandom. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I like to say, Travis, I grew up disappointed on Sundays. Yeah. See? So, I, I mean, listen, this team has to win sustainable. And I don't, I'm not saying it has to be 20 years in Lombardi's, although that's what all of us want. I'm just saying, can you put together consistently three, four, five playoff runs? Can you win a playoff game? Can you go on a playoff run? Can you make it to an NFC title game? Baby steps. <laughs> Yeah, baby steps. Travis, it's been absolutely great to have you on the DC Tweet Team podcast. We can listen to you over here in the UK now. Thankfully, at last, the Washington app gives us the Team 980. So I'm not going to lie to you. I'm usually in my lorry at work every day with my headphones in my ear, ignoring the guy that's driving the truck because I'm sitting there listening to you throw out WWE quotes and crazy to It's brilliant. Your show is absolutely all. It lifts me up during the day. So Travis, thanks so much for coming on our show, man. That means a lot, man. I appreciate that. And that's uh, really what it's about. What I told Kyle is real and he knows it. You know, I'm not into arguing with people and hanging up on people. And uh, a lot of shows don't even really take calls like that. Uh, I, I do all of it because I care about the fan base. Uh, I enjoy the interaction. I enjoy, I think we have enough BS going on in the world. So I enjoy uh, hearing things like that, man. So I really appreciate that, you know, you allow me to even take up some time in your morning and that you allow me to bring a little bit of joy into the world, man. So thank you. And thank you guys. Uh, you're most definitely the reason why I'm usually late to do some deliveries. You know, <laughs> I, I need to finish the segment or something. I'm usually sitting in a row. But Travis, tell our listeners where they can find you on social media, buddy. At Travis Thomas Experience. It's very, very easy to find me. When I first started my career, funny story, I had all these different handles. It was like, Travis Thomas 16 underscore backslash on Twitter on Facebook is TT on and eventually I was like you know what Travis Thomas experience could work as a brand and also it's much easier to just find me all in one place one name so Travis Thomas experience come follow me uh, everyone go check out Travis's uh, show on the team 980 during the day uh, Travis thank you so much my friend and we will definitely get you back on 
I appreciate it, guys. Thanks, man. See you soon, brother. Uh, Maurice, Carl, a pleasure to to chat to Travis. His, his insight, his enthusiasm is just what we need right now. So I, I definitely needed that this week. But uh, guys, let's talk some more Washington football. Uh, Carl, I'll come to you first. I listened to Ron Rivera's uh, press conference just an hour or so ago, actually. Um, gentlemen, he said that he thinks the team are still growing. The team are still learning. So Carl, my question to you is, where are we growing and where are we learning? Where are we actually in your eyes? Where are we getting better? Let's, let's get some positivity rolling towards Sunday. Where's this football team getting better in your opinion at the moment? Well, defensively, especially, I mean, they're at the very bottom. So the only place I can go is up uh, to be perfectly honest with you. And, and that's the way it's looking at the moment because it's the mental mistakes that are happening. And it's not just one person making that mental mistake. It's multiple guys. It's almost like, dude, just get in line. You know, just do what we're requesting. Stop doing your own thing. But it continues to happen. So where's the disconnect? I think it's going to change. And I think this sort of game, like against the Chiefs, is one of those. Because coaches could go to the guys and say, look, man, you, you don't have to care. You don't have to listen to anything I say. You don't have to get better. You can collect your paycheck and go home. But I'm going to tell you right now. I'm not the one that's going to be out in that field this Sunday going against Pat Mahomes and getting my ass kicked and looking like I shouldn't be in this league, to be mm. perfectly honest. I could put you in those positions, but if you keep going rogue, keep doing your thing, you're going to keep getting piled on, man. And so hopefully that this team is growing in the aspect of understanding of how to not win games because at this point they have made mistake after mistake and it has taken them out of these football games the saints did literally almost everything they could to give the game to us and we just didn't want it we found a way to lose it and that's kind of been the way they've done it so they're growing and finding out on ways to win because they they certainly know how to lose but they just have to be able to eliminate those mistakes in order to get a victory yeah, most definitely. And Maurice, before we get into the fan submissions today, we've had quite a lot come in on the Facebook group on, and uh, Twitter. Ron Rivera touched on in his press conference today, Maurice, he, uh, they, he was asked about the draft class of this year and comparing it to last year. We, you know, we Chase, Chase Young got Defensive Rookie of the Year. Maurice, is, is it just a, a case of last year we got very, very lucky with Chase Young? We were drafting to this year, you, you know, uh, Sam Cosme, Benjamin St. Juice, Jamie Davis. Do you just have to give these guys time to develop? This is the National Football League, and I've only just got into my college football, but even I know it is a humongous step up from playing college ball to the National Football League. Is it a case, like Ron Rivera said today, just got to give these guys time? Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Next question. <laughs> well, I just, here's the thing about it, right? I think what we're seeing with our fan base is a fan base that's incapable of separating Ron Rivera's era as far as developing this team with all of the losing and mediocrity that we experienced prior to Ron's arrival. I mean, make no mistake about it, the team's in a much better position with Ron at the helm than it had been in many years. So that's number one. Number two, you do have to develop these players, right? And they're young, they're, they're all projects. Like Jamin Davis is a project, you know, Sam Cosby is a project, but they're getting reps and they get better at week after week after week. And maybe like sometime later on in the season, you know, that the amount of reps that they get, you know, collide with them getting better and they become better football players. I mean, I think in the long run, they're going to be great players, but right now they're learning the game. And, you know, the other side of the ball, teams are good too, you know? Mm -hmm. So every week, Sam Sam Cosby's going up against some of the best defensive players in the league every week, and sometimes he's getting his butt handed to him, you know. But sometimes he's going he's going to learn, you know. Yeah. The same thing with Jamin Davis, the same thing with Benjamin St. Juice, you know. I don't think I don't think the issues with our team are with our rookies. I think the issues with our team is our schemes and calling plays that allows the players to get excited. Like I feel like when I watch the team, I feel like our players are restrained and contained. 
I don't like like you can tell like even last year with Chase Young, use him as an example. Chase Young was a disruptive force last year. Now because he's trying to play within the confines of Jack Del Rio's um, defense, I feel like he's being held back. You know, that's just my opinion. I could be wrong, but again, we're not seeing the productivity, the impact that he had this season and last season, and that's also a result of teams game planning against um, Chase Young and Montez Sweat now mm. because of Raw. If yeah. we don't yeah. give teams different looks, then we're not going to be successful. We got to change it up. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, talking of Chase Young, Carl, we've got a, a, loads of fan submissions coming into our Facebook and Twitter. I'll put the first one to you, my friend. Uh, Rich, Rich has made a really good comment, and I've heard a few people talk about this, and I got into this with Keith and Jesse and John the other day. Last year, Montez was constantly on the left and Chase was on the right. This year, we've seen Chase more on the left a bunch. Um, he's put. He just wants to know why. Is The blind side is generally where the best pass rushers plays come from, right? I mean, Chase does look seem to have moved a lot this season. Is that obviously a Jack Del Rio thing? I've seen many plays where Chase and Montez are on the same side as well. I don't know if you guys noticed it. Carl, you do many, many film breakdowns, and I know you go back and watch games after games, so I've seen it. What do you think the thinking is uh, moving Chase around to for this season to compare to last? Yeah, obviously I'm not in the know, so I wouldn't be able to accurately say what is the depiction, but I will give a, what I believe could be the case is that maybe they realized through film study that Montez Sweat was more effective off the right side, and that's why Chase is like, look, I can do either or, it doesn't matter to me, and they'll play him where he best fits. That could always be the case, but the negative aspect of it is is that Montez Sweat is the better pass rusher at the moment, so you have the better pass rusher on that side, and then you have Chase until he's growing into that dominant pass rusher that he can be staying on that left side. But uh, I would much more lean towards Montez Sweat being more better on the right side than on the left. Mm, very well put, my friend. Uh, I hope that answered your question, Rich. Uh, Maurice, uh, the Inquirer, good old Scott Hartley, 73 questions. Oh. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Whoa, I can't do it now. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Scott Maurice would like to know, do, did we overhype this defense and expect too much? Uh, he put, I've claimed uh, and thought about it in the second year. If, if a rebuild with a first place schedule was always going to be tough, what would you change? I think JDR seat must be smoking and I think he'll be gone by the end of the season. Maurice, did we overhype this uh, defense because of the quote unquote easier schedule we had last year. We all knew the schedule we were going to come in into this season. Did we ever hype and you know, we spoke preseason, we spoke, we've done many a podcast and Carl's done some. I thought this defense would step up even more this season and rise to the occasion. We're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. We're playing the Bucks. We're playing all these good teams. I thought they would rise up. Like Scott says though, Maurice, did we ever hype them? Yeah, we did. We did. And, you know, I think we, you know, we drank the Kool-Aid because again, we had a nice end of the season. We made the division. Uh, I mean, we won a division. We went to the playoffs, you know, I mean, Chase Young had some monster games towards the end of the season, um, you know, winning defensive rookie of the year. I mean, so there was, there was, there was reason to celebrate this defense based off the way they ended the season. I think that, I don't think the issue is the players you know, because I think there, I, I, there's no doubt that the D line, you know, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, uh, Jonathan Allen, uh, Matt Ioannidis, you know, Tim Tuttle, those guys are talented. They can play football, right? They can play football. There's no doubt about that. The issue is, are they being put in the best position to be successful? And that's a Jack Del Rio question. And I think that we got, we got to change it up. And here's the thing we're not a balanced defense, right? We have a great defensive line. You know, I don't know what words you use to describe a, a linebacker. 
core, and the secondary is not playing with any chemistry. They're not playing together. I think that you know, and that's the nature of DBs. Like they want to have these, you know, you know, every time they, you know, a pass is, is incomplete or they deflect the pass, there's always the all the whole movement they do and everything. They got to get back to basics, right? They got to communicate better, you know, as a defense to make sure that everyone knows what the other players doing. They're not communicating. I think that's why that um, that Hail Mary pass um, happened because they weren't communicating. Like, mm. but, but as I always say, in the NFL, it's an attack-based league. Opposing team offenses are always on the attack, and they caught the Washington football team um, flat-footed on that play. But I think as far as overall, one in a million, like uh, Hightower said on calls on the Burgundy Zone on Monday, he said that's a one in a million thing. He said, like, you know what I mean? He mentioned it, and uh, yeah, the Washington football team just didn't have people in in place, did they? No, they didn't. No, they it didn't. was yeah. Um, Kyle uh, Boyd would like to know uh, when, oh when. Will we start winning and rid ourselves of this tag of being run as like we're a joke? I mean, Carl, we we talk about this season after season, year after year. What do this team need to do to get to winning ways, to get to playoffs? I mean, Boyd would just like to know, what do we need to do just to start winning games? Is it like Maurice says, just do, go back to basics maybe? Uh, that, that is, uh, I think, a part of it, but I think that people need to step up and be leaders. Um, I, I think that goes to Maurice's point about the communication in the secondary. They don't have a leader in that secondary right now. You could say it's Landon Collins, but at the same grasp, he's not playing well at all. He can't mm. play man. He can't be matched up on wide receivers in man or running backs in man or yeah. tight ends. Is that a communication right thing, do you think, Carl? You mentioned right. it on your show on Monday that you talked about communication. Do you, do you think that is the case? Yes, I definitely do, because generally what happens is like somebody like Lou Keekley, for example, I know it's a crazy example, but the guy knows what the offense is trying to do and communicating to his guys. Hey, this is what's happening, blah, blah, blah. In the secondary, it's it's like, have you ever heard the term the blind leading the blind? And that's essentially what it's that's like. It's usually a night out with me and my mates when we were trying to pull women back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's almost what it seems like, really. It's like. They're communicating, but there really is no leader sitting there with confidence saying, this is what's happening, this is what we're going to be in, and this is how we're going to stop it. Mm -hmm. That's non-existent at this point. Somebody is going to need to step up in that back end because I, th I think to your point earlier, Andy, about our expectations for this defense, we expected them to be normal, to be mm -hmm. competent. And the way that they have played defense up to this point has not been competent in the back end, and that's been the worst part about all of it. It's, you're not even playing like when you saw the Bills play the, the, the Chiefs and you saw the Chiefs go to a dump off on the right side. You saw a linebacker come up and tackle him right away. I sat there and said, oh, my God, I have mm -hmm. not seen that once. And it's like that competent kind of defensive play that needs somebody needs to step up there. And I know John Bossick was the voice before and was the brain, but somebody else is going to need to step up. And if it needs to be Cam Curl, he needs to do it now. I know he's very. He's not vocal at any point, but he needs to be for this defense to get back and up and running because the defensive line can't be in charge of that. They can't get guys into position. It's got to be somebody else. Yeah, most definitely. Boyd, thanks for the question, brother. Uh, Maurice, one of Mike's questions, plain and simple. Ron's in charge, he says. The buck stops with him. Uh, Hopkins has been kept on but not trusted by play calling. We saw us go for a few uh, plays last weekend where we might have kicked a field goal. He basically... But he, he just puts, how long does Ron Rivera get to turn this thing around? He should get five years. The full five years, yeah? Yeah, he should get the full five years. I mean, here's the thing about it, right? At, at a certain point, like, if not Ron, then who? Mm. Right? I mean, that, I'm just serious about that. Like, part of the issue is that we're expecting 
things to happen immediately. And they're not like Ron is rebuilding the Washington football team and not just on the field, but off the field as well. Just you, we talked about earlier today in a podcast, we're still trying to exercise the Bruce Allen demons. I mean, we can't, can't get away from it. Like it's like the exorcist around here, you know, have the power of Christ compel you, you know, who thought that we were going to be dealing with emails between John Gruden and Bruce <laughs> Allen that were going to be just inundated with racist, homophobic content. Like nobody saw that coming, right? But there it is. So to me, anytime there's a negative piece of information attached to this team, right? The media, both local and national, pounce on it. And that just holds him back even more. So again, you got to give him five years because that's the way you're going to only evaluate um, how good they are. Look, look at the Cleveland Browns, for example, right? The Cleveland Browns have been trash for years, trash, right? But they drafted Baker Mayfield. They had a really terrible season before they drafted him, you know, they drafted other players. And now Cleveland has become one of the top tier teams in the AFC. I mean, there, I would say after the Buffalo Bills, Baltimore Ravens, the Cleveland Browns are probably in the, in the hunt to be one of the top teams in the AFC. And I dare you challenge me another team in the AFC that's better than those three teams right now, but they're not. So I say all that to say yeah, that true. if you look at the trajectory that Cleveland went on, Cleveland had a rebuild. Mm-hmm. And now they're competitive. You know, they're a respectable team again. That's what Washington has to do. Like, we may take a step back this season and not make the playoffs, but if we're getting better players that are being developed, and even Coach Rivera said that this is a development project. He managed expectations at the end of last season, saying, like, yeah, just because we want a division, that doesn't mean we're where we want to be. And we're not. And I think it's just hard for fans to process because they're so desperate to win. They're so desperate to be relevant. And and that's clouding their uh, perspective as to what's actually happening with the team. We are moving in the right direction. It's not moving as fast enough as fans would want it. But again, Ron's doing a good job. And let's just give him the time he needs. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, last few questions, guys, on the uh, UK Washington football team uh, Facebook page. They've sent quite a few. I will, we'll try and get through these as quick as we can. Uh, hi, Andy. Uh, how long, Carl, this one's for you, buddy. Hi, Andy. How long do you think is long enough to pretty much turn the last 25 years of the Titanic that is the Washington football team around to being a successful team? And will be Ron given enough time to try? Maurice just kind of touched on that there. He's um, Greg's put, uh, he thinks probably four seasons which probably be needed to uh, turn the last 25 years around. Carl, looking at the franchise as a whole, how long do you think it will take to, we're finally sitting there going, we're not talking about emails, we're not talking about scandal. I mean, I mean, I know in all sport, there's always something that crops up, but to this scale, Carl, I mean, since I've known you, I've known you for nearly two years now, I'm, I think we're always talking about a scandal in Washington. I know it's the, the thing that always to do, but where do you think we'll be? How do we get to that point where we're, we're just talking about, oh no, we should have made a playoff here. Or we should have won that Super Bowl game. Or how, what do we need to do to get to that position? I think what we're doing now, I think they did exactly what they needed to. They came in and when you're, you're talking about, you got a whole bunch of weeds in the garden. The first thing you do, you got to rip everything out. You got to start brand new. And I essentially believe that they did that. I do believe the truth of what was behind all the crazy nonsense. I don't think we do, but we will, I believe in the future, hopefully find out something went wrong. 
how long it'll take, I think it already happened, especially inside the organization. Now, on the field, that is going to be different because that is going to be gelling all of these different pieces and molding them together because they're still coming from the ramifications from the Landon Collins contract. They're still deal- dealing with the ramica- ramifications from uh, Dwayne Haskins at 15. They're still dealing-, dealing with things from the past. So I do think that he's right with about four seasons. I think that's spot on for the field on us actually getting a good, consistent winner in here. Because when we interviewed the Bills um, reporter, he essentially said the same thing with it. This is a team, the Bills team, that had been playing together for four years without Mm. much turnover. And so they they know what they like to do. They know what they want to play. We're in a different boat. We're not there. We're almost there. So I would say four years is probably the best bet for on the field. But off the field, I think it's already happened. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Dan. I mean, I'm I'm my own worst enemy because I'll sit there on game day and rant and rave. But I, when you kind of sit back and like Scott tweeted me today, goes, "It's nice to see you being positive at the start of the week." I mean, you kind of have to rein it back in because you do get so frustrated with this man, most Carlin. You know, hence why I try not to tweet as much on game day. Oh, you're being so negative, but it is hard, and I kind of get it. And so this is kind of me saying, yeah, even I'm kind of reining it in. But I agree with you. I mean, I think we just have to kind of give the Jason Wrights of this world, the Marty Hernies of this world, we have to just believe in them because they're probably the best group of people we've had in here since I've been a fan. Seriously. It, it's been Dan Snyder and like Bruce Allen pretty much running it. It looked, well, looks more like Bruce Allen's just had a free reign to do what the hell he likes for the last yeah, God exactly. knows how many years. Yeah. Dan's just been on his yacht fishing or whatever the hell he's doing. But I think now, and it's it's really hard because when the, the product's on the field, doesn't mirror up to where you want to be off the field. It's hard. I've seen people, I've seen idiots tweeting Jason Wright. And I, I said it this morning in a tweet. I was like, don't tweet this dude about what's going on in the field. I mean, he's he's nothing to do with what's going on in the field. That's all Ron. That's all Jack Del Rio. That's all Scott. Don't tweet this dude about what's going on in the field. He's he has everyone. Oh, he's been very quiet on social media. Yeah, he's the president of the Washington football team. He can't just sit like us all day. I'm lucky I sit in a lorry most of the day. I can sit on my phone. This dude is running a multi-million pound organization. So it's very hard. The products on the field would help. We all get frustrated with that. So that frustration, in my opinion, leads to other things. So, yeah, I'm, I'm completely with you there, Carl. Um, Maurice, uh, Rob would like to, uh, he says, um, also, does the rebranding of the franchise have more emphasis now getting the fans back into FedEx? Home advantage isn't a thing for us, as far as I can see. If not the rebranding, what will get the fans back? I don't think you want to... I don't think you want to tie the rebrand to the team to something immediate mm-hmm. because again, like here's the thing about it. Like two years ago, none of us thought the Washington Redskins name was going anywhere. Right. It was, it was an iconic NFL brand like the New York giants or the green Bay Packers, the Dallas Cowboys, so on and so forth. So we, that we're no longer the Washington Redskins. So that iconic brand is gone. So what they're going to create next has to equal that iconic connection to the fans. So we're, we're moving that thing forward for the next, you know, 100 years as a team. So I would not tie what we're, what we're going to call ourselves next to an immediate goal, right? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what we're called, what's going to create that connection is winning, right? That, that's what's going to win. Because again, the Baltimore Ravens, used to be the Cleveland Browns. The Baltimore Ravens used to be in Cleveland. Like the Baltimore Ravens, who used to be the Cleveland Browns, have won two Super Bowls and have one of the most dynamic players in the NFL, right? So that's a complete rebrand, right? So much to, so much so that they had to become something new because the city of Cleveland sued them to, to keep the name of the colors and they got a new Cleveland Browns team. They don't even have the records 
to the old Cleveland Browns. Like they severed all ties. So mm-hmm. we still have the Super Bowls. And I think like this is the most unique situation that I've seen an NFL team engage upon because how do you make fans feel like they're part of the same team, mm. but it's a new name, yeah, right? And you're still connected to that past. And I don't know how they're going to do it. Like it's it's going to take skills that I've, I, I, I haven't seen anything like this ever, right? Mm. I mean, imagine, I mean, imagine trying to change Nike, right? A rebrand, like of this magnitude. This is like, I mean, even like this, I think this dwarfed what Cleveland did, right? Because Cleveland, they didn't even, they didn't have a transition. They just said, okay, we'll change our name. Now we're the Guardians and we're done. And people just moved on. I mean, you can't do that with this team. So that just lets you know how how much of a challenge is going to be. And, um, and I don't know. I mean, to me, I just feel like they should just go Red Wolves and call it a day. I would say either Red Wolves. <laughs> Car's about to kill you. No, Red Wolves, <laughs> no right, I mean, Red Wolves, a Washington football team. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to be the presidents, the senators, the admirals, the commodores, the armada. None of that stuff. Commodores. commodores. <laughs> you know, I can see us running out to some sort of funky Commodores yeah. music. Yeah, I, can to Ronald Ritchie. You know, not, I mean, I just feel like Red Wolves is fun. I mean, I, put, I mean, the commanders, that's trash. You know, I don't like it. You know, I mean, my thing is, I mean, I don't, I don't know. They, they don't pay me enough money to figure it out. That's, that's what Jason Wright's being paid to do to figure it out. Yeah, most definitely. And, most. You know, I, but again, I don't. I, I will say this. I don't think there's anything that they're going to create that's going to match the passion and intensity of the Washington Redskins. Not for a while. And the only way it's going to match that is they're going to, have to win some football games. And as long as they're losing with a new, because what could potentially happen is that if we continue to lose. With a new brand, you can have a mass exodus of fans. They'll go right up I ninety five North and trade in their burgundy and gold and put in their purple and black and become Ravens fans and and call it a day. That and that's and that is happening for on the real. Yeah, well, yeah, I know fans this week have left and gone to support other teams. Uh, Mark, Mark Blatantly put, just tell Ron they don't have to win. Just snack, get rid of Dan, get Dan Snyder to stay on the team. Yeah, Mark, we all, yeah, that's never going to happen. Dan's not going anywhere. Uh, uh, Carl, final question from Scott. Do you fear that the fact we're on course for a bad season, but not bad enough to get a top 10 pick? I, I wouldn't say so. Um, I do think it's going to go one way or another. I do think we're going to be about middle of the pack again. I think they're going to win some games that we expect them not to. And uh, I think they'll lose some games that probably close ones to divisional foes. But I do think we'll probably be middle of the pack if we don't get our crap together. Uh, because at this moment, I mean, on de- defensively, this offense can't keep up. You can't continue to have Taylor Heineke go in there gunslinging, having to get back in the game. I know you talked about with the Chiefs that you wanted the game plan to be run, 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 stuff it. But if we go down 21-0 to zero in the second quarter, yeah. there's not much we can do at that point. Mm-hmm. It, it, they have to start playing as a team. They have yet to be clicking at, on special teams, offense, and defense. It's always one is lacking and the other is doing well. They need a good game where they all play together. They don't have these mental mistakes that nips them in the butt. They need to play good football. If mm-hmm. that, I don't understand how I can continue to say this, but if that continues to happen, they need to make some changes. Yeah. Because where's the disconnect? This is the same team, not much removed from the team that went last season, went to Pittsburgh and beat the 11-0 Steelers. The Steelers were healthy. After getting their butts kicked till halftime. There were no excuses. There Mm. were no excuses for that. They were a healthy football team Mm -hmm. at that time, and they went in and beat them. What is the disconnect here? And we have to find that. 
Yeah, just very quickly, guys. On the, uh, I've got we've got our little, uh, we've got our Washington football team at, um, WhatsApp group over here in the UK. Uh, Peter Chilton, Kyle, he says, has the team made Kyle swear yet? I think I heard him say on his show he's trying not to cuss this season. Hey, Kyle, you're on the DC Tweet Team podcast now. You're in for Shelley. She's going to be disappointed if you don't cuss, Kyle. I mean, have the team driven you that far yet, mate? Not, not yet. I have, I have cussed a couple times already this yeah. season. Uh, not on, not on the pod, obviously, but it, it, I just, I just don't understand to be honest, because like it, they make the easy things hard, mm-hmm. and like that is, I know that is a, an, a representation of a young team, of a young football team that makes things hard for themselves, just like any teenager. You know, you keep make, they keep making these bad decisions. Well, you're making it harder for yourself to do mm-hmm. well, okay, bud. You got to do better than that. You have to be able to see it. And that's like, I think the most troubling part, because you then say, well, if it continues to happen, you're looking at the coaching staff and saying, well, why is it getting transpired? But then if they say, I've been saying this, I've been saying this, I just literally don't have anything else, then changes need to be made at that position and see and rotate guys in to see if anything does click. Mm, like yeah, the last season. Yeah, I mean, Peter also put in our little group. I mean, it's maybe something we could see. He's like, could we see Carl Allen this weekend? I mean, poor. Who knows? I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, Heineke didn't have a great game, and it's the Chiefs are gonna. Well, their secondary is good. Let's not beat around the bush here. Their secondary is very good. I mean, it could be one of them games. I mean, it might be a case of if he plays as bad as he did last weekend. I'm not saying he's going to. And I really, I never want any Washington player to play bad. But if he throws a few picks, even in like the first or second quarter, it might be a sake. Of, it might not be a sake of Ron wants to take him out to protect the young man. Take him out, put Kyle Allen in. He's not got loads more experience, but just to protect the young fella, say, hey, buddy, look, I'm going to take you out of the firing line here. I mean, Peter, we, we could see Kyle Allen. I mean, I don't think so. I don't think so, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised come the third quarter, maybe. If, oh, if, if only I, reason if, is because of the players that have rallied behind yeah, him. Every, yeah. Everyone talks about how he kind of like rubs off on them mm-hmm. and has that kind of energy and everything. And also, I just feel like, they can't have him looking over his shoulder as yeah. where he's coming from. You want him to have that confidence. You want him to go and make those throws. You don't want him to limit himself like Kirk Cousins, who literally did not want to throw a deep ball to mm. save his life because he was scared of getting picked off. I would yeah. rather that tenacious, that aggressive kind of uh, mentality from a quarterback. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think I don't think you pull Heineke right now. I mean, he's mm-hmm. two and, he's two and two as a starter right now. Right? Yeah. So I think like he would need to go on like a three, four, five game. Yeah, I agree. You know, turning over the ball. I'd use him more this weekend. Let him run out of the pocket. When he scrambles, he does it well. He scrambles well. We could get some. He's got a slide. Don't slide with his head as well. My God, he's terrified. He terrifies me when he's doing that. I mean, I mean, that's got that's got to be a part of his game. You know, the Mm. thing I think the thing about Heineke is I think Heineke's pressing because he realizes that this is his one and maybe last opportunity to be a starting quarterback in the NFL because again like the minute he gets benched and you bring in Kyle Allen or whatever that's a wrap on him and he'll be the perennial journeyman for the rest of his NFL career Mm -hmm. but so he this is his as as Eminem would say you got one shot right that's what that's where you're at right now with Kayla Heineke I love so the fact that we got an Eminem reference into the podcast. Uh, guys, just wrapping this up, this show, uh, we're going to do a little new segment called The Washington Minute. You guys have got one minute each week to tell me something about the Washington football team. And today's subject, uh, Maurice, we're going to start with you, my friend. You've got one minute, Maurice, one minute only to tell me why the Washington football season isn't done yet. Go. 
because we haven't we haven't played half our games. We've only played five games, right? It was a 17-game season. We got 12 games left, right? We are two two wins and three losses. We're in the middle of the pack. You know, we could have easily found a way to win that Saints game. You know, we just played ourselves out of it. Um, we have an opportunity going against the Chiefs, you know, to get to go three and three. I think all is not lost. Um, I think even if – I think right now, because we have the Chiefs, the Packers, and the Bucks, and we got the Broncos, right? I think even if we beat the Broncos and lose the other three teams, we're still not out of it. You know, we can get back in this thing. So I just think, like, right now, you know, I know fans are frustrated. I know that they're upset. I know they're tired of all the losing and everything like that, but hope is not lost. Stick with the team. Let the process play out. I think what – I think why we're so frustrated is because this coaching staff is teaching concepts, right? They want a style of play that they uh, Well, I just wanted to do what they do on Around the Horn, you know, when okay, they keep talking. Yeah, yeah I, I've always wanted to do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> that surprised me too. I was like, what did Maurice say? <laughs> so I just always, I've always wanted to do that. I watch that show every day. But yeah, Maurice, you, great points here. I'm completely with you. Carl, one minute, my friend. Why is the Washington football team season not over yet? Because they have played poorly and they've still won two games somehow. Um, and also they are the, the strengths of the team are in the most important spots. And that being defensive line and offensive line dictating the line of scrimmage. Now, I know that they are top of league in percentage of hurries and pressuring the quarterback, but they just got to get to the quarterback. And then their other issue is, is mental mistakes. It's not like they are not good enough. We know that they're good enough. These are professional dudes that have done well in the past. Fact is, it's the mental mistakes, it's lapses in judgment, the immaturity that's gotten them to this point. If I can bank on them turning anything around, it's them making better decisions rather than them not being able to play in this league. I don't think this team is done yet. I think they are built in the right positions where they are. They just need to find their identity. Every team needs to find their identity before they can move forward. The Bills are very easy with this because they are, have been together for four years. Washington, they're gelling. They still have to find that identity. And it's Arr! all going to be on the back of Taylor Heineke. <laughs> Oh, brilliant, man. No, very well put. Carl, Maurice. Carl, thanks so much, buddy. I hope you enjoyed your first show with us sitting in for Shelley. You're going to be with us for, for a few weeks, buddy, while Shelley gets healthy. Uh, pleasure, as always, to talk some football with you, my man. Of course, dude. Thank you so much and uh, the honor for bring, coming on here and be able to not just try to take care of what Shelley does. I know she does a great job and everyone loves her. I just trying to do what I can. Hopefully, I didn't do too poorly. No, you did. You did amazing, my friend. Shelley will be very proud. Maurice. An absolute pleasure to uh, to chop up some football with you and us. Uh, us guys will be back on Sunday, and we have Mr. Tim Meek coming on after the game to join us on uh, Sunday. So, Maurice, enjoy the game Sunday, my friend. Who knows what can happen, Maurice? I'm going to go for the Washington football team to win by a field goal at the end. Mr. Hopkins is going to sell one through the, through the uprights, and we're going to win. It's going to be miraculous. We're all going to come on. We're all going to be happy. Washington's going to reunite. That was the Hopkins with a game-winning field goal. It's, oh, I don't know, Maurice. Let's just hope. Let's just hope we can do something on Sunday. But guys, Carl, Maurice, I'll chat to you on Sunday. Thanks so much, boys. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've been your host, Andy Burrows. That has been Maurice Hawkins, Carl Ronick. Till next time, everybody. Stay safe.